Thanks for tuning in to The Big Idea. I'm Michael Anderson, and today we're going to be talking about money. We have author, influencer, and financial expert Grant Sabatier on the program. He just completed the book, Financial Freedom. We hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Today's show is brought to you by GEICO Local Office, car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. You could save up to 15%. Call Greg Mock of GEICO Local Office, 805 487 7847. And our guest today is Grant Sabatier. Grant is the creator of Millennial Money, and he also has a book that just came out. It's a best selling book. It's called Financial Freedom. He's been on over 400 different media outlets, uh, including New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. The most exciting thing right now is this book that has come out called Financial Freedom. We'll talk about the book. We'll also talk about a lot of things that he has done to help people with money, millennials with money, and the like. Grant, thank you for joining us today. Hey, really excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you on the show as well. I think it's great. We have a lot of good things to talk about. Tell us about the book to start, Financial Freedom. Give the listeners an overview of what this book is. Yeah, so financial freedom, uh, a proven path to all the money you will ever need, is really a step-by-step scalable strategy to help you reach financial independence, which is that point when you have enough money to live on for the rest of your life, to do that as quickly as possible. And so it follows my own story, which starts back when I was 24, living with my parents, completely broke, no money, And then over the next five years and three months, I launched a number of companies, had a bunch of side hustles, saved about 82% of my income with the explicit goal of becoming financially independent as quickly as possible. I eventually reached financial independence uh, with over $1.25 million saved at the age of 30. And so the book chronicles my own journey, what I learned, what I did, the sacrifices and trade-offs I made. Um, But more importantly, it outlines the path that anyone can take. I really studied money incredibly intensely uh, during this period. Now I've dedicated my life. I write and speak full-time all over the world about money. And money is one of those things where we think we know a lot about it or we think it's complicated. But I really studied it kind of like a philosopher uh, in a lot of ways and went back to the simple idea that money is a human invention And the book really is built around the idea that money is infinite. You know, you can always go out and make more money, but you can never get back your time. And the biggest myth holding most people back is that they think that money is time and time is money. We hear that growing up. We hear that everywhere. You know, time is money. But in fact, time is so much more valuable than money because you're never going to get it back. And so the book really is designed to help you make more money in less time so that you can really live a life that you love. And it's equal parts personal finance, entrepreneurship, uh, investing, and it's got a good dose of, I'd say, mindfulness as well with the explicit goal of helping you change your relationship with money. So there's a lot in the book. My goal was to make it the highest ROI money book ever written. And so, you know, I've read over 400 money books and, you know, a lot of them are good or okay, but it's usually one or two ideas and then a lot of fluff. And financial freedom is one step after another jam-packed full of tips and advice. I actually had a couple early readers, you know, they got the book two days ago, have told me they've already started reading it for a second time, and they're taking so many notes. And so there's a lot in there, but it's meant to be for anyone, no matter what stage you're at in your own financial journey, to help you get to the next level as quickly as possible. So it's not 
just for millennials. I mean, it's particularly helpful for millennials and younger people just because they have more time on their side and more options. But even for older people, there's still so much in there around how to get a raise, how to invest, and how to change your relationship with money. So at the end of the day, financial freedom means something different to all of us. And so I've built the book, no matter what it means to you, to help you get there. And it's really kind of that that amount of money you need to sleep well at night. And a lot in the book and just super excited that it's out and available. We're talking with Grant Sabatier, author, blogger of Financial Independence. Uh, The book that he just released is Financial Freedom. And we're talking about some concepts in the book and money. Grant, you mentioned it. Time is more valuable than money. And time is not money. I think a lot of people. What I was taught in my uh, in my business classes is, you know, a lot of you go. Some people they go to work and their time is traded for money, and that's the exchange that people make. It's I'm I'm working this job. I don't particularly like it, but it gives me this amount of dollars that I need to live off of uh, on the monthly basis. And so it's an exchange I've made. I'm giving them my time. They're giving me money. Uh, but you're saying that's not exactly how we should look at it. Can you speak to that? Sure. So. At first, time is money because, you know, whenever you're working at your job, you know, someone's paying you for time of your life. And one of the things that we don't actually often factor in is that we need to spend a lot more time on our full-time job than we think, you know, because you got to get up at a certain hour, you know, you get ready, you commute. And what, you know, is normally maybe a nine-to-five day is more reasonably, you know, more realistically like a seven-to-seven day. You know, because you're getting up, you're commuting, you're doing all these things that you likely wouldn't do if you didn't have to work for money. So our entire day is often dedicated to our job, even if we're not just sitting at our desk. And so when you factor that in, you actually learn that you're probably making less money than you think. And at the end of the day, the question is, is it worth it? Are you willing to trade your time for that amount of money? I go through this exercise uh, where I help people calculate. And if you just go to financialfreedombook.com slash tools. You can use this calculator for free, even without getting the book, where you can put in all the time that it takes to get ready and it, what you're getting paid and you know what your tax bracket is. And if you don't know, it'll show you how to figure that out. And then it gives you what your actual hourly rate is. And you know that's a great baseline to start. But you know at first, you're going to have to trade your time for money. But the idea is the relationship between money and time is not strictly linear. You know We all know people who you know, work less hours, but make more money. We also know people, you know, Warren Buffett, for example, most successful investor of all time, makes $1.5 million, even when he's per hour, even when he's sleeping. And, you know, that's because he's invested that money instead, and he's dislocated that traditional time money relationship. He doesn't have to trade any of his time to make that money because his money is making money. And in the book, I go into so many different ways to do this. That's just one, obviously investing as much as early and often as you can. I also talk a lot about, you know, growing a business and going from, you know, launching a side hustle and turning that into a company and how hiring other people so you're no longer limited by your own time. You know, I go into very detailed breakdown of, you know, kind of how to become the Uber of your life where you're not actually driving cars. Uber doesn't drive cars. What they do is they connect people who need rides with people who want them. And so you can do that in your own life where you become a connector between supply and demand, and then you hire others to do the work. So you're trading, you're brokering their time instead of trading your own. So those are just a couple examples of different ways to think about money and time. And, you know, they're not the same thing at all because your time 
you know, this moment is all we have. Once it's gone, it's gone. But your money is something, you know, you can always go out and make more money. And so the question is, is it worth it? You know, what you're doing for money, are you are you willing to trade for it? And being more mindful of this is really just one of the first steps in the process in the book. Our feature interview today is with Grant Sabatier, author and influencer. The book is Financial Freedom. It's a great book. Um, I've heard you speak at, at a conference before, Grant. Really enjoy what you had to say. And and one of the things you talked about with wealth and money is there's three there's three parts here. It's what you the income you make. It's the savings that you save or invest, and it's the spending and the expenses you have. And really, it's pretty simple. Those are the three inputs is your income, your saving, and your spending. And most books talk about two of those, the saving and the spending, but they don't talk about enough about the idea of, of increasing your income and the power that that can bring. Share your concepts and your thoughts on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a limit to how much money, how much you can cut back. You know, even if you're you know, living in a modest house and have your expenses under control. You know, we live in a world that tells you to cut back, cut back, cut back, especially on those small things that, you know, the coffee or the glass of wine. But it's often those small things that bring us the most joy, that make us the happiest. And so we're told to cut back those things, and then we're unhappy. But in reality, you know, there's a limit to how much money you can cut back, and you should actually spend money on those things that make you happy. But there's not a limit to how much money you can make. And so most of personal finance adopts a scarcity mindset because they're focusing on cutting back as opposed to more of an abundance mindset where it's like, okay, I'm going to diversify my skills. I'm going to negotiate for a raise. And so a majority of the book is focused on that other side, which is the earning side. Because, you know, one of the things I found in all the books that I read in my own life is like 99% of the books out there written about money, making more money specifically, they're like on one idea. So it's like, here's how to sell better, or here's how to negotiate better. Or they're just completely scammy where, you know, you can't actually do what they recommend because it's such an extreme or just like, you know, only could work for one type of person. And so I wanted to write a book that was about making money that was legitimately going to be useful for anyone, no matter what circumstance that they're in. And so there's something in the book I call the enterprise mindset, which is looking at, uh, you know, everything that you're, every way that you're interacting with money in your everyday, you know, how do you maximize that opportunity to make more money and specifically make more money for your time? And that's what the world's richest people do. You know, they're optimizing their taxes. They're investing the right way. They're, you know, and, and that's one of the reasons in the book I actually start with your full-time job because your full-time job, a lot of people, even if you don't like your full-time job, a lot of people just want to jump ship or go launch their own company. But your full-time job where you're making money actually represents the perfect opportunity to make more money right now while you get everything else figured out. So optimizing your full-time job is essential. And then diversifying your income streams. Never been easier in history to make more money just because of the tools available, low-cost uh, investing opportunities available. You know, I've made millions of dollars just with a few clicks on my phone and investing, you know, through the Vanguard app. And so, you know, there's there's just so many ways to make money today that we wouldn't even didn't even have access to 20 years ago. And so switching from just cutting back and focusing on, you know, diversifying your skill sets, you know, connecting with recruiters, you know, understanding your market value, all these things that are in the book are really designed to no matter what job, what career, what industry that you're in to help you make more money and I put them all together 
And then the net impact, you know, the sum is so much greater than the parts. And that's my favorite thing about the book because, you know, there's over 800 tips in the book. And even if you implement like three of them, they're going to have a big impact on your life. But when you impact, you know, when you implement more of them, the, the compounding benefit of some of those steps just together is just so exponentially greater. And it goes back to your point, those three levers of how much money you're making, um, how much money you're spending, how much money you're saving, you have control over those levers. You know, this isn't something like you have so much more control uh, over your money than you likely realize. And the better your relationship with it, it is, which I go through the book on how to do how to develop a better relationship with it, the better your relationship with it is, the more money you're going to make over your life, the less nervous you're going to be. And, you, you know, you're going to start seeing money making opportunities everywhere. Grant Sabatier is an influencer and a, uh, a good mind in the financial world. Um, the book is Financial Freedom. And Grant, I was listening to a podcast. Tony Robbins actually reached out to you to talk to you about the things that you're doing. And I heard that podcast. Um, he came on to one of your podcasts. Tell us about the experience of, of that conversation that you had and that, with Tony Robbins and why he was reaching out to you. And, and I also want to ask you, actually, let's go with that. And then I have another question for you. Yeah. So uh, someone on Tony Robbins' team was a fan of mine. And, you know, he had a new version of uh, his book, Unshakable, coming out and wanted to get it out to a broader audience. And so, so one of his team members was a fan. And then I think they recommended me. And then clearly his team um, knew a lot about me, did research on me. And by the time that, you know, he asked to be on the show, I got an email on a Tuesday morning like, hey, Tony wants to chat with you and come on your show. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, you know, by the time that, you know, we chatted, he knew so much about me and my story. And Throughout that episode, I, I think you can probably hear he's kind of you can tell he's a little tired from doing just probably interview after interview. But halfway through, a few of the things that I said, I think he woke him up in a bit. And, you know, by the end of the interview, you know, we were going back and forth on a bunch of different ideas and he was super warm. And then the coolest thing is like after we stopped recording, you know, we ended up chatting for, you know, a little over a half hour more. Um, just about, you know, what I was up to and my mission and what he was doing. And he's uh, been a huge support, um, wasn't legally because of his involvement in his investment management company. Uh, his, his corporate counsel shut down. He, he actually gave me a testimonial for the book, but his corporate counsel shut, shut it down because he, he's not legally able to recommend any other money books. But he was super kind and awesome and you know, I think there's there's more on the horizon for Tony and I. You talk about um, why you don't need a budget. And I think a lot of people and a lot of books and financial gurus, and I myself, I'm a financial professional, a CFP, but one of the things you talk about is, is you don't need a budget, and you kind of explain why. Share that insight with our listeners. Yeah, so the only budget you'll ever need chapter is really built around the idea that kind of budgets suck. I mean, I have never liked budgets. They've always, I think they reinforce a scarcity mindset. It's one of those things where you're told to budget, 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 and then, you know, you end up doing it and you cut out those small things you like and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is terrible. And then you're unhappy, then you abandon it. And then you, you know, you're back to spending the same way. And so the idea is that oftentimes when you budget, you're told to cut back on those small things, you know, whether it's the coffee or the wine, as we talked about. And those 
add up to a little bit of savings. You know, the average American saves 3.2% of their income. And when you're saving 3.2% of your income, really, no matter how much you're making, you're, you're likely never going to save enough to retire. And that's where the big, that's the focal point of, you know, the financial sort of the retirement crisis is that the savings rate, 3.2% is too low. Um, so just cutting back those small things, maybe will get you to 5%, but it doesn't make a really material difference on when you can reach financial independence. But if you get to the point where you're able to get your savings rate to 20, 30, 40%, which a lot of people are like, well, that's insane. I can't imagine saving that much, but you can. And the way you do it is you focus on the only budget you'll ever need, which is the average American spends 72% of their income on three things, housing, transportation, and food. And so that's where you get your savings rate increase is by cutting back on your biggest expenses. And you don't have to do it forever, but that's where, that's where you really move the needle. And so if you move to a smaller apartment or get a couple of roommates or rent out one of your rooms or stay with your parents for a little while or crash with a friend or house sit, you know, there's so many different ways that I outline in the book that you can cut back on that one expense. You know, even just doing it for two or three years and investing that money, um, that creates your your kind of growth engine for your money. And yeah, it can be a little uncomfortable, but it's more of an opportunity than a sacrifice. And so keeping your housing and your transportation expenses, those two specifically, and also food, but primarily housing and transportation, keep those as low as possible. And it's going to add up and compound so much greater and just moving to a smaller apartment for a little while or getting a roommate can make the difference of, you know, being able to never retire to being able to do it in, you know, 20 years or less. We're speaking with Grant Sabatier, author of the new book, Financial Freedom. Um, Grant, you talk about why you don't need a million dollars for financial freedom. I think a lot of people, the assumption is I need a million dollars or Susie Orman might say, I need $5 million to retire. What, what do you, what do you mean when you say people don't need millions of dollars for financial freedom? Yeah. So you're right. People tell us we need 5 million, 3 million, whatever it may be. But they're asking that question first of how much money do you need? And the first question that you should actually be asking yourself and really thinking about is what kind of life do I want to live? And then how much money do I need to live that life? And when you actually take the time to do the work of, for example, looking at the things that make you happiest, you know, for me, it's like walking my dog in the park, you know, it's playing music, it's listening to my record collection, it's writing, it's reading a book, you know, it's having a glass of wine with my wife, the things that make me happiest end up being relatively inexpensive or even free. And I've designed my life to maximize the opportunities to do those things not just to make more and more money. And that's the thing, you know, the better you kind of know what makes you happy and you align your life around that and you really figure out what you want in your life and then realize that, okay, I'm not telling you what to buy or what not to buy, but if you want a really expensive house, you're going to have to work longer in order to afford that and it's going to cost you more over time. And that, that, whether you're willing to make that trade-off is up to you. It's all about the trade-offs. But also in the book, I outline seven levels of financial freedom, which I believe with each level that you reach, you know, you're going to feel more in control, have more time, have more freedom, and get more perspective than once you get there on, okay, how much money do I really need? Am I still willing to make this trade-off? The problem is we're told we need millions of dollars, but we're living paycheck to paycheck, and then we just don't even try to save because we're like, the world tells us we need all this money, 
and then we never do anything because that number is so big and we never think we're going to get there. So try, wanting to save a million dollars, admirable goal, great goal. But if you're living paycheck to paycheck, the first step is to escape living paycheck to paycheck. If you've escaped living paycheck to paycheck, the next is to get between one and two years of expenses. And with each of these levels, um, you're going to feel more free. You're going to be able to sleep better at night. You're going to have more options. And as you continue to do this and develop your relationship with money, you're going to realize those trade-offs and decide you know, mindfully whether you're willing to make them or not. And some people just want the really expensive thing, and they're willing to work for the rest of their life for it, and that's fine. But a lot of people don't realize that there's another option, there's another way. That's very well said, Grant. I'm talking with Grant Sabatier, author from Financial Freedom, uh, the new book. And a big movement in the financial world right now, the conversations, the media, you see a lot of people talking about this. They call it the movement and they call it FIRE. And a lot of people don't know what FIRE is. Uh, financial Independence Retire Early is the acronym. W- what is FIRE really, uh, Grant? And, and how do you feel about it? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so the there's so many facets to what I'd call the FIRE movement. But, you know, to me, FIRE simply represents living life on your own terms. You know, it's a group of people who've looked out at the mainstream money advice and life advice and seen, you know, that most people are unhappy at their jobs, they're disengaged at work, and then, they, you know, they've taken a right turn and the FIRE people, the FIRE movement, they're saying, okay, we don't want that, we're going to take a left turn. And so living life on your own terms, you know, it's never been easier to do that. With that being said, there's so many people now in the FIRE movement. You know, when I started on this journey in 2010, I read the book Your Money or Your Life, which is really the foundational text of the financial independence movement. It changed my life. It started my financial independence journey. But for the first two and a half years, you know, I didn't know anyone else who was doing it. You know, I was on my own. And then I discovered Brandon from The Mad Scientist, and he was the first person that I realized, whoa, someone else is doing this. And then I started soaking up information. But 2012, it was just a really, really small group of us. And so it's been fascinating to see it grow and spread. I'm very thankful that it's growing and spreading one of the reasons I wrote this book to continue to help it spread. The, the problem is a lot of the fire movements focused on kind of money before life, I would say. Um, it's all about the spreadsheet. It's all about the number. It's, you know, it can become money addiction in another form. And so that's the real challenge for me because the financial independence movement actually was started to help, uh, you know, built around helping you make more money so then you could live the life that you wanted not just making more money to make more money to escape. And I think those are two different things. So I think the FIRE movement has lost a little bit of its original soul. Another reason I wrote this book, just because I think life should always come before money, and I don't always see that in the FIRE movement. But with that being said, it's cool that more and more people are talking about money and and living life on their own terms, and there's some really amazing things happening. There was an article that came out this morning by Mark Holbert. It was on Market Watch, and it talked about the problem with the fire movement. And through a reality check is what he said. And he's an established reporter in the financial world, but he says the fire movement is akin to a hail mary pass in football. Most people just won't do it. And they shouldn't even try. They're doing a disservice to try. What do you what do you think about that? I mean, I think he doesn't understand it then because lumping everyone together and saying, yeah, okay, I will agree that reaching financial independence 
rapidly like I did in five years is a super extreme example. You know, it's like what I did is not normal, nor do I even necessarily recommend what I did. I made a lot of trade-offs that I wouldn't make again. I was lucky that I started investing in 2010. But what that, I, I think that a lot of the reporters and people who write about it, all they focus on is this end point. They focus on this like number that you need to have. They don't realize that all it me all it's about is like I said, choosing to live life on your own terms. And so, a lot of the people I know in the fire movement are, for example, better equipped to handle a recession. They they understand money more than most people, and so they're better able to adapt to changing situations. I mean, it's not. It can't be lost on anyone that we're entering into increasingly uncertain times, you know, with economies and the way the, you know, jobs are changing and the climate and people within the fire movement, because they have a much more intimate relationship with money, they're able to pivot. They're more malleable. They're more flexible to the changing world. And so that's the problem with the media because they're not in it. They just see it as like, oh, there's all these people trying to retire with a million dollars and that's not going to be enough. And that's that's just old school mindset right there. That's just fear. That's fear perpetuation. Because one of the things the financial industry sells is a level of precision that's unrealistic. Like, how can you even begin to tell me how much money I'm going to need for the rest of my life when who I am at 34 is very different than who I was at 30? So how do I even know who I'm going to be at 65? That's not the important question. The important question is, Am I letting myself grow, and do I have a relationship with money that will grow and change as I grow and change? And then realizing that I control the levers. And so if I want to keep working on the grind you know, in the corporate world because I want to have this massive house and spend $30,000 a year on a vacation, then I at least know that I'm making that trade-off mindfully. But, yeah, it's just that's just fear-mongering. I mean, it's just the, the, the finance world – is generally afraid of fire because it goes against everything that they've been selling, which is, you know, money's complicated. You don't get it. You don't understand it. But I have to say that most people aren't saving money. Most people, you know, so fire actually represents a path to freedom. Right. Well, I think that's extremely well said and uh, very thoughtful. I appreciate your time today, Grant. Our feature interview is with Grant Sabatier. He's the creator of Millennial Money. He's been on media outlets, over 400 different media outlets, including the New York Times and Wall Street Journal. His new book is Financial Freedom. As you've heard today, he has a lot to say on the subject, and it's very well thought out. Grant, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Hope you have a good day. Well, that does it for our show today. A big thank you to our sponsors. This is brought to you by Boyd & Associates, the largest family-owned security company in Southern California. Established in 1967, for your home and business security needs, visit boydsecurity.com or call 805-650-3267. Visit boydsecurity.com. Com. Also, a special thanks to our nonprofit spotlight, and that would be with Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. It's been a great show. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time.